1: Well, the summer of cricket is uh, coming to the pointy end with the Challenger coming up tonight in the BBL. The heat taking on the Strikers and, of course, the winner of that will go on to play the Sydney Sixers in the final on Wednesday night. And, of course, coming up uh, later on this week as well, it is the second and final test between Australia and the West Indies to talk all about it. All things cricket, Adam White from SEN joining us. Adam, welcome along to the Afternoon Show. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, good to have a chat. It's, uh, it's a great time of year, isn't it? Oh,
0: absolutely it is. Um, if you love your sport, it is a terrific time of year. I know I mean, most people listening to, to SEN uh, networks around Australia love their, their AFL or their NRL, but I think the great thing about this time of year is is obviously cricket on pretty much every day or every night of the year, but there's the Australian Open tennis, um, there's basketball, there's, there's A-League, there's so many, uh, golf, there's so many things going on. It's
1: hard to keep up with everything, to be yeah. perfectly honest. But it's great just sitting back at a night and having it wash over us before uh, the end of the cricket yeah. season, mate. But I want to touch on firstly the, the first test match uh, down there in Adelaide. The Aussies, well, very, very good, very, very dominant against the West Indies side. Look, they struggle with the bat, but it was great to see the West Indies held their gloves up with the ball in particular.
0: Yeah, look, I actually think the, the scoreboard probably doesn't reflect how close the teams were. Clearly, Australia was the better team, um, but I think the way the West Indians bowled um, to keep Australia for under 300, I thought, was a terrific effort. Mm. And just with so many young, inexperienced players in their team, it was always going to be difficult for them to compete with a bat. But I'll just put you back to sort of halfway through day two. This just shows how quickly the, the game moved. But, you know, the West Indies put up 188 and at one point Australia was 6 for 140 in reply. Mm. So things weren't going swimmingly well for for the Australians at that point. But what the Australians do really well, as we saw through the Pakistan series, while I don't think they've quite been at their best this summer, they do have that level of consistency Mm. and they have that level of relentlessness, particularly with their bowlers, which means that they'll just keep going. Whereas a younger team, like the West Indies and, and certainly Pakistan, they will fluctuate through through matches. Whereas Australia, you know, they they tend to take their chances. Um, they don't tend to have that bad two hours, um, which is certainly what happened to the West Indies. When they batted in their second innings, that's where the game totally got out of control. I think they were at four for seven, something like that. They were never going to be able to recover from that point. But I think there was enough science from the West Indies to... To think that they were competitive and then from an interest level, I think with Steve Smith opening the batting and Cameron Green at four, I think most Australian cricket fans are just interested to see how that goes and whether that is something that we will see uh, this time next summer when Australia take on India.
1: And such a jam-packed calendar for these international cricketers now. To maintain that, you know, that elite level um, top of the game week after week, month after month, it, it must be incredibly tough. In, in in saying that though, we're, we're fortunate in this team that when one player doesn't step up, another one does fill in the role, and we certainly saw that with with Travis Head in this last test.
0: Yeah, look, I think you make a really good point. If you, you if you look back at what the Australians have done in the last twelve months, so obviously they had last summer um, their home summer where we you know we played all those matches uh, against the West Indies and South Africa, and then there was the BBL. Then they moved straight on to India. Uh, then it was the World Test Championship, then it was the Ashes, then it Mm. was the World Cup, and there were matches against South Africa and India in the lead-up to the World Cup, Um, and then, obviously, the the home summer here. They're entitled to be incredibly tired, and I think they're playing a bit that way, a bit bit stale, a bit tired, and I think it's one of the reasons why Steve Smith wanted to open the batting was just to give himself a a new challenge, to try try and spark himself. Mm. But most of those Australian players do play three forms at least two of the three but generally speaking three forms particularly the bowlers so for them to be able to to do what they've done over the 12 months we talk about their success but just their consistency considering how much cricket they've played and as we go into the Brisbane test later this week the likelihood is those three fast bowlers that have been you know doing it the whole way through will be playing again for a fifth consecutive test match which I didn't think was possible.
1: Yeah, and I was talking to some colleagues down in Adelaide after that. You know, it, Obviously, it was a shorter Test match. Their load wasn't as much, um, given that the match only went for just on seven sessions. But you know, Hazelwood was outstanding, nine wickets. Pat Cummins was Pat Cummins. Um, so you, you wouldn't think that those two would be putting their hand up to rest. Then you look at Mitchell Stark, who's been the best pink bowler for Australia since since we've started playing day-night Test cricket. It's It's hard to imagine that, any of those three would be taking backwards, or you know, taking a seat for the for the test in Brisbane.
0: Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, look, I, I kind of thought Scott Boland might have played in Adelaide and mm. and then gone back to the the main three for the last one because we've got to remember we've got two test matches coming up in New Zealand, yeah. sort of at the end of end of February. But but I, but I agree with you. I mean, I think certainly Hazelwood and Cummins have been outstanding through the summer, and, and it enables Mitchell Stark to play the role that he does. And I mm. think sometimes he gets criticised a bit much because he goes for too many runs or you know perhaps doesn't take the volume of wickets as as the other two, particularly through this summer. But what happens under any Andrew McDonald coach team is that they all just play their role. And the role of Cummins um, and the role of Hazelwood well, is very much not only taking wickets, but they're so miserly with the way they bowl. It's so hard to score. So they take the opportunity to try and score off Stark. Uh, now, he might go at three, four runs and over, but also he will bowl a lot of wicket-taking balls. Mm. So they've all got their their role to play. And as you say, you know, Mitchell Stark's so good with the pink ball because he's the one that swings the ball, uh, and and bowling's not really one that swings it. So I, I can't see the the bowling changing for, for Brisbane, particularly, as you said, the, you know, the game only went for uh, two days and one session. Now, Australia did bowl twice in that time, mm. but, um, yeah, I don't see it changing for, for Brisbane.
1: The pitch there in Adelaide probably wasn't conducive for uh, for spin bowling, particularly the fact that it, it didn't get a chance to wear and Nathan Lyon to get a chance to bowl on a, on a day four or day five deck. But what did you make of, of Nathan Lyon's performance in Adelaide?
0: Yeah, a bit like you said, Glenn. I mean, he didn't get really much of an opportunity. Um, I, I think it's been really interesting just seeing the, the test match pitches we've had all summer, actually, because I think they – it's one of the reasons why we haven't seen a lot of big scores. I mean, outside of David Warner's yeah. 164 on the first day of the first test and then what Travis Head did in Adelaide, where he scored you know, considerably more than anybody else, it has been more bowler-friendly conditions. Even that first pitch um, at, in Perth, um, it had a, bit of, a fair bit of extra grass on it initially, and then it, it cracked up quite badly. Um, you know, we, after that, you know, we saw Melbourne, which Melbourne and Adelaide are becoming quite similar now. That mm. These dropping wickets, they're leaving a lot more grass on them. So they're seeming around pretty much all test match, which yeah. means, you know, getting the feedback from the batters is that they feel at any moment they, they, there's a, a ball with their name written on it where they're going to nick it. So they never feel 100% in. And, they, and the SCG, which copped a bit of criticism, I actually quite liked it because, I like the unpredictability of it. We don't sort of want an absolute road every time we go out and play test cricket. And I love the fact that it's spun and the uneven bounce just made for a bit more interesting cricket. So we go to the Gabba for the last test, which is usually the first. We know that it's going to fly around a fair bit, particularly day-night cricket. But I feel that we're starting to get some some characteristics which mean that we're seeing a bit more of an even contest between bat and ball. And I think the one thing that we all feared going into this summer was that Australia would bat two days in their first innings and make 600 and then we'd have just this inevitable test cricket that would drag on for five days. Mm. Um, We're not getting that. We're getting kind of uh, test cricket in fast forward, which while the results have been that Australia have won all four test matches that have been played, I think there's been a fair bit of entertainment through the entire um, test series where both teams at times have had their chance, particularly because the the wickets have been, you know, a bit more bowler-friendly than normal.
1: Speaking of entertainment, the one player that certainly did entertain... Uh, in Adelaide and we can't wait to see him in Brisbane is the debutant Shamar Joseph. He became the 11th West Indian to get a five for on debut, picked up the wicket with Steve Smith with his very first delivery in test match cricket. It, it was great to see a, a young bloke and he looked like he just was absolutely loving his cricket and just happy to be out there.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly what was the case. And, you know, he was so keen to play test cricket. And I think that's really important. I, I think yeah. you go through the West Indian squad while they were, three debutants in that game against Adelaide and a lot of other players that have played only a handful of test matches. That's what they want to be doing. They want to be playing test cricket. Now, whether that stays uh, the same in the next couple of years, because the reality is, as it stands at the moment, uh, West Indian cricketers are going to get much more, or they're going to become a lot more more richer playing um, playing T20 cricket than playing um, test cricket for their country. Let's hope that these sorts of performances will see a shift from the ICC or from somebody so that, uh, you know, whether it's Pakistan or whether it's the West Indies or whether it's South Africa, that they get um, much better remunerated for, for what they're doing at test level. But what I liked about Shamar Joseph was that he had a bit of hype coming into the match. Mm. We saw him um, and we'd heard that he is someone that could bowl sort of mid 140s, maybe even a bit faster than that. and, And would bowl balls that would get good players out. Um, and then that was a big rap for someone that had only played a handful of first-class matches, let yeah. alone um, tooth cricket. And and he did it. He bowled extremely well, and he bowled wicket-taking balls. So at times, I felt that Alzari Joseph, the more experienced bowler, bowled better than um, Shemar. Um, he bowled a heavier ball. He got the ball through sort of high 140s and and really rushed the batsman at times. Um, it was Shamar that bowled the wicket-taking balls. And often that can be the case that the best bowler Doesn't tend to get the wickets because the other one, the the, kind of the batters relax a bit more and feel it's it's an opportunity to score. Um, But Shamar did the business, and I think they'll be uh, they'll know a bit more the Australians about him going into Brisbane. But I still don't think he's going to be easy to play, particularly with the pink
1: ball. No, he was outstanding, and and you're right. That pink ball could be um, could add a a different element to his uh, to his game as well. The big question, I think, coming up for the Australian side is Usman Khawaja, he or Won't he copped a really nasty knock off Shamar Joseph on that final day with Australia only needing one run for victory? Um, any word that you are, you know of at this stage, this far out, at whether uh, whether Uzi will be playing?
0: Yeah, look, it's it's a bit early to tell because the Australians haven't really got into their intense preparation yet because the Test match doesn't start until Thursday. So, I think from today. We'll start to get a better understanding but my understanding is that all the concussion protocol testing that he's done to this point he has passed so it is a it is a good sign that that's the case sometimes you know whether it be um cricket but even across you know the, the football codes you can get that delayed concussion where it might take a few days before players realize oh, i'm not quite right that hasn't been the case so far with usbond so you know, I think whether it's today or tomorrow, he'll get into the nets and face the Australian fast Bowls. And if he was to get through that and continue to pass the testing, um, based on the, you know, based on the the trending the way it's going at the moment, it looks like he will play. So Matt Renshaw is on standby. Um, he was anyway for, for the last test. And the irony was that Matt Renshaw had left the ground um, at Adelaide Oval to go and play in that BBL final, which meant that Australia didn't have a concussion substitute batsman. Um, if it was that Aussie that couldn't go back out there and bat. And obviously a different set of circumstances if Australia were batting in a third innings and, and needed a bat. So I'm not really sure exactly what would have happened there. Um, but but it is good signs. And um, as I said, Renshaw's there if if for whatever reason between now and Thursday Aussie starts to, to feel a little bit uh, less than 100%. Um, and I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing either Either to give Renshaw a game. It's my, no, I my only agree, concern... Yeah. Yeah, it's my only concern with the, the Australian set up at the moment is that while we have got a really settled team um, and, and we have a really successful team, um, it is an old team. And I think that's why it's really important to ke- to get Cameron Green into the top six. But, um, you know, any sort of little opportunity for, a, for, for, for someone else to have a game in what is essentially a dead rubber because it is only a two-match mat- series and Australia have already retained the trophy... Um, I kind of see that as a, an opportunity, and we again I was talking before about comparing other codes. It can often be the case in in the NRL or the AFL where you know if a player gets a hamstring injury or or, or a you know a, a three week knee injury, it does also it does create opportunities to see what is on your list and to see whether a younger player can come up and 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 prove that they can do it if required. So um, yeah, I wouldn't think it'd be necessarily a bad thing, but I know that if uh, is available, he'll definitely play.
1: Yeah, look, I agree. And there's there's been that, that long-held theory that Australia doesn't give out baggy greens and give out test appearances, um, you know, willy-nilly. But, you know, in 2024, we play, as we touched on earlier, so much more international cricket, so much more test cricket. You know, they're not playing three or five tests in a summer, then nothing again for the next summer. Yeah, you know, I, I honestly think it was a, probably a a missed opportunity to not get someone else in there to open the batting. But as you say, it gets it gets Cameron Green in there as well. And it was good to see him with both battle ball in Adelaide. Now, look, I need to touch on um, Heat versus Strikers, as I mentioned, tonight. Um, how do you see this one playing out?
0: It's a really difficult one to line up, isn't yeah. it? Because you've got a Brisbane Heat team that, going into a final series, have a totally different team to the, to the one that got them to yeah. a final series. And we're now going back to seeing... Uh, quite a few players that we've seen over the last few years that haven't really been able to get the job done for them um, collectively. Um, so there's a bit of the the old Brisbane heat about this final series. Yeah. Um, and then they're up against the Adelaide Strikers, who, look, one of the real easy beats in the competition earlier on. They then lose Chris Lynn, um, but somehow find themselves being better. Um, and I And I think it's a real credit to the Strikers for what they've done, is that they... They assessed things. They looked at what was working for them and what wasn't. And they went and changed two things. They changed their tactics. So they went from being a team that were predominantly batting first and then looking really vulnerable defending totals with a bowling attack that, that really isn't a particularly strong bowling attack, particularly without Rashid Khan, to then saying, okay, we're going to flip this. If we get an opportunity, we'll chase down whatever is thrown at us, and we'll back in that short, and we'll back in whoever it is that's uh, you know in the top four or five. Mm. So that's the first thing they change. But then they change personnel, and they've really now banked on their spin. And what Lloyd Pope has done um, over the last few matches has been quite extraordinary. I mean, we've always known him to be a talented player, but for someone that's been sitting on the sidelines, you know, running out drinks and gloves for, the, for his teammates to now being in a situation where he's been thrown into the fire and has been executing so well. If it yeah. wasn't for him, the Strikers' season still wouldn't be alive. So it is a hard one to gauge who will win tonight. I'm probably leaning towards the strikers purely and simply because they've got the momentum. Yeah. As I said before, with the Brisbane Heat, they're a bit of a, a mishmash at the moment. Um, but yeah, and again, neutral territory. It's hard to tell on the Gold Coast. I, I'm leaning towards the Strikers, but uh, I don't think either team will be able to beat the Sixers in the grand final. I think the Sixers, with their professionalism, they're so well coached and they're so well led by Moses Enriquez. He's one of my favourite players of all time. I just love the way he leads teams. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, through the the last couple of matches, not only is he leading really well tactically, strategically. Um, but he's also staying to lead by by actions himself with what he's done in his last two innings.
1: Just quickly, mate, before we go, um, the Australian one-day sign has been announced. Two young guys get their opportunity to join the squad for the first time.
0: Yeah, a couple of surprises here. So they decided to rest Glenn Maxwell um, for the one-day matches. And as a result of that, Jake Fraser McGurk, who's sort of seen as the, I guess, the Maxwell junior or the big show junior, um, he gets an opportunity, purely and simply, with what he's done domestically in white ball cricket this year. Um, so that's a big shock, but also you know, high on the entertainment value list. And someone that I'm really pleased that's getting an opportunity from a bowling point of view is Xavier Bartlett. So Xavier Bartlett was really successful in Sheffield Shield cricket last year uh, and then unfortunately had been injured through the first half of this season. So what he's done is he's come back and played in the BBL fresh and uh, has been right up there in the leading wicket takers for the competition. So he gets his reward by playing, hopefully playing, certainly in the squad, some white ball cricket for his country. So, um, yeah, two surprises. Um, because the squad had already been selected, so these are some minor adjustments. But uh, I guess we will see, we are talking before about the future of Australian cricket, we are going to see two of those uh, in the one-day matches against the West Indies after this Test match.
1: Yeah, I hope to see them get a bit of game time as well. Adam, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on the afternoons, and we'll catch you with the cricket.
0: No problems, Glenn, anytime.